Herzlich willkommen bei Talk Content, dem Podcast über Contentstrategie und Acht Verwandtes. Mein Name ist Mariana Milkovic. Hello once again at the podcast Talk Content. Today here with me is Arvid Brockberg. Hi Arvid. Hi, nice to meet you all. You asked me to introduce myself a little bit. I assume most of you don't know who I am. So my name is Arvid Brobeck. I'm originally from Sweden. Today I work for Digitas in London, uh, overseeing their UX department. We're roughly about 20 people in the office. There's about 320 people. We have 32 offices across the globe and we work mostly within product and uh, marketing design. So what's your role here? So I look after the UX team and UX is user experience. The way that I tend to explain that, or at least when I go home for Christmas and I have to explain this 10 times to all of my relatives, is UX is like the architecture behind a digital service. If you think about a house, you can design a house for the people that live there, but you could design a house for people to grow in, for them to expand in. So good architecture in terms of digital services means that they help you do and help you achieve what you want to achieve. That combined with experiences that are brand-led, that a certain brand is a premium experience and it wants to make you feel really good versus a other brand might want to be experienced as being cheap. So good isn't necessarily always right. It's what's right for the brand and how that brand wants to be positioned. Before we go into that more deeply, can you tell us how you came into UX? How did that happen? Oh, that's a long and a short story at the same time. Um, the short story is by accident. The, the long story is that I've always done it, but I've always had different names for it. So I started in the military, uh, or I st studied a little bit of industrial design, then I was in the military for a couple of years. I worked for the military in their game design department, which led into wanting to do design games. So I worked as a game designer, and from that I realized I can use some of the learnings from experience-based learning in, uh, in the military and how to design games into creating experiences. But I was quite young at the time and no one really wants to employ someone that has grand ideas and no experience. So I started my own company and from that I made a lot of mistakes and I continued to learn and from one day to another suddenly the title of the job that I was doing was UX, even though what I'm I'm doing has never changed. So you look quite long for a, young for a 100-year-old. but <laughs> Well, thank you. <laughs> so uh, what you said at the beginning, you were doing UX without knowing that it was UX. I think that's, the, that's very similar to content strategy. Maybe we're doing content strategy without knowing it. So what role does content strategy play in UX? What do you think? Good question. Um, To answer it, maybe we can talk about it in a different way, to set a benchmark. You have to ask then, what role does visual design have together with UX? Some will say that UX is the, the bones of it and the flesh and the mus muscle tissue come from uh, visual design. I don't necessarily believe that to be true anymore. That idea leads to a type of a waterfall handover where it goes from a UX designer has created an architecture, even though I did say that, but it goes from an architecture to someone that paints it, where the visual designer's role is to fill it, fill it in color, paint by numbers, which means that there's only one person that does thinking and the other person just do what they've been told. The reality is if you go beyond what's just screen design, where you have all of the um, interactivity, the motion and the 
emotion that happens in, say, transitions. If you have a slide transition that slides to the left, you know that if I click back, I'm going to go backwards in this step. If you have something that slides over the screen, you know that I'm going to come back to the screen underneath. These are the emotions and transitions that are not necessarily covered between either of the two disciplines in their traditional format. How does that bleed into answering the question of what is the role of content strategy? Well, if you bring three points of view together, where one takes the point of view of the user, one takes the point of view of how are we expressing that to the user and how do we package it, in my experience and opinion, it's always better to have multiple people viewing the same problem and trying to achieve a goal together. The hard thing is when you say that the strategy is just to define what it should be rather than helping create the solution. And I think that's where a lot of disciplines struggle today, that they have hard edges saying, here's where my responsibility begin and here's where my responsibility end. I think the best teams are combinations of wildly varied experience and discipline and you have to kind of transition back and forth a little bit between personality. How does it look like in real life? How does such a project work? Could you give us an example? An example where we use content strategy, for instance. In that space where content strategy would come in is after we have done an initial definition of what the customer journey is. Uh, We're looking across online and uh, offline. We're looking across markets. So by establishing the, the basic existing journey and what the future key journeys are, what they should be, we can bring in disciplines to say, what is working well today on the current site? What are the things we would like to lift over? What are other people doing well that we can learn from? But we need to establish what we would like to achieve. We need to establish a North Star before we start doing research into the individual parts. So researching what today looks like without knowing where you want to go in the future tends to force a perspective towards your feet. We would have said in the military that's doing reconnaissance rather than a strategy. Strategy is saying these are the five next steps you have to take. Military tends... Reconnaissance is... Reconnaissance is looking at what is it today. This is where people are today. If you can't tell where they're going to be in five hours when you can have the ability to move there, it doesn't matter. So it's looking looking at a picture to try and determine a, a moving object. Just because they were there in that picture doesn't mean that that's where they're going to continue to be. So that's where I think the strategy part needs to be part of a vision where you understand where where do we want to go and then strategy helps us move along that journey so towards that goal rather than defining today and then trying to extrapolate the future from that. From this point, where did T moves there then? So in, in this case, so we're, we're going to do the, the journey. We're going to understand what, what, what it looks like and what we want it to be. Then we're going to look at the thing we want to bring over and we're going to do the strategy of here is all of the pieces of content that we have today. Here is where the gap between those those are. How do we start filling those gaps? What are the things we need to do quickly? What are the things we need to do long term? What are the things that are going to deliver certain amounts of value? And then what are the things that we need to deliver to a customer at different points of their life cycle with us? So content strategy in the way that we use it is more than just what's on the page. It's in the big story that we tell I think of it as, um, say, a TV series. You need to define what's in each episode, but you also need to define the bigger arc across it. That it's not only what we say per page, it's what we're trying to say in total. Where do we want to bring you on this journey? That's the role for content strategists in in, in the way that we work together. So UX will probably be the ones that do the documentation of the map. They will be the responsible owners for writing that down. Mostly from the point of view that it's a 
typically a UX tool, a customer journey map. In this case, it's going to be a massive spreadsheet with a bunch of data within it saying this is what's going on. The real customer journey mapping sits in defining what are the what's the top axis, what are the main activities someone goes through. Writing down what happens inside is a, a task that anyone can do. So that's a task that we'll do together with other disciplines like uh, SEO, data insights, but defining what are the overarching moments will be done by UX. Where does design come in? Is you, uh, design a design, big part in UX? Yes, it is. Yes, I mean, yes and, and no. It depends on what what you're trying to change. Sometimes you need to just understand what, what's actually going on to realize that we need to fix. doesn't need a new front-end or a new design. You just need a different script for the person that are answering the phone that they need to answer the phone in a slightly different way. Arguably, that leads into service design and so on and so on. But the boundaries between UX and design are, are quite close. If we were to start, if UX starts looking at the user, then design would probably start looking at the brand. What do the users want? What do we want to be perceived as? Just because the user wants to have everything for free and available right now doesn't necessarily mean that that's the way that the brand wants to be perceived. Luxury brands want to create scarcity, want to create attractiveness through uh, limiting uh, availability. So just because you have a lot of people that want to give you money doesn't necessarily mean you're going to sell more Louis Vuitton bags. And that's part of the brand definition that the design would probably be looking at. How do you start developing such a journey or such an arc of the story? What are your tools? My tools is usually backwards. You start with where you want to be, and then you move backwards to where you are. But that's my personal way of achieving that goal. The only thing I try to make sure is that where I want to be is far enough into the future that it's not something I can do next week. Because if it's next week available, it's not really far enough into the future to be able to push us in the right direction. And the hard thing tends to be there's a number of different activities you have to figure out in order to understand what where you want to be. Some of it is looking at where other people are and where they're going to be. Some of it is looking at what are the changing expectations in the user's um, behavior. Uh, is there um, any kind of precedence that we can look at? Most of the time, the humans' needs are very, very basic and very simple. We might want to think that they have grown and become really complicated, but the reality is that we've always followed some sort of Maslowian pyramids we, of self-actualization, shelter, and, and uh, comfort. It, it, it's, it's not, we're not new. Just because we have gizmos in our pockets doesn't mean we have evolved in any way. We're, if anything, dumber. Because we have more choice, and that is definitely blinding us. Think about when you try to decide what to watch on TV. The process of deciding what to watch on TV is clicking up, 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 or next, next, next. It's simple. Deciding what to watch on Netflix It's really hard, and it takes a long time to make a decision. You spend usually quite a lot of time trying to figure out what it is, and then you go, ugh, I can't be bothered, I'm just going to use what I had last time. We can get blinded by the possibility and options. So would your task be to make this much, uh, these opportunities less? Would it help to make this process easier? To just remove all the choices and... The intention or recommendation is to make it easier, but it, it kind of fails to do it because it just make, it gives us more things we like. It's hard to choose between a lot of things I like. I think the question here is how, how do you go about creating the end goal? What tools can you use to get to that point? Well, it's a little bit of, you know, of a combination of crazy and romanticism at the same time, part megalomania. You have to think that, that you can change things. 
you have to be uh, romantic and, and the idea of falling in love with the possibility of doing something and slightly mad for, because you have to go after something that no one else thinks about doing and the ways to do that is just for me it's, ne- it's never been an obstacle to rein in my creativity or an obstacle to have creativity rather the other way to rein it in I would like to uh, talk to you about the industry a bit in Austria it seems that UX is the really big thing now mm-hmm. everybody wants to be in UX yeah so why is that Well, it's similar here, and I've seen in a lot of places uh, that UX is the new golden child. It's the, it's the next cool thing. I think it's a combination of two things. One, that because of the big remit and the kind of the scope of your job is to define a new thing, there's a little bit of attractiveness to having that amount of freedom. But there is not really a maturity within the market yet in terms of saying this is exactly what we should do, which means that a lot of people can kind of come in and do whatever they want with it. You can so it's a lot of shape it into the way that you want. And there's been a lot of it had been a number of big company successes that have attributed their success to user experience. It's easy to talk about Apple, to talk about um, Uber, to talk about um, Amazon one click buy, to talk about Airbnb that there's a there's a new breed of companies where the experience is what they sell. We're just seeing a rise of a new space. I think the industry is going is going to have to mature a little bit. It's going to have to rein itself in. It's going to have to define the roles a little bit better. I think the space for senior UX people is probably going to become smaller and they're going to turn into product owners for hire. That's just defining one part at a certain level when you've got the ear of a number of C level people it's going to be hard you're going to have to start thinking about the business as well so i think that there's going to be a, a split within the u.s discipline of the people that want to just focus on the user and the people that want to focus on the whole project and th- that includes business and technology and we're not there yet we're already there it just takes us a while to sometimes see what is already in front of us my explanation of this trendiness was that all this digital stuff needs design and this user journey and and so on so i think that we have we have suddenly created a language to talk about things that have always been there but we have never really had a common language for it now that we have a common language for it we have to create a lot of people to speak the language and then we have to come back into ourselves and, and start saying hey do we what do we actually mean here we keep on using this term but we don't mean the same thing you say client and you mean the mobile device you say client you mean the customer you say client you mean the company we have a lot of definition to it and i think ux is just a little bit too cool for school at the, at the moment and i don't think it's going to remain that way i think it's going to have to grow up quite a lot i think it's going to have to get over its fascination with user journeys its fascination with personas its fascination with wireframes we don't do any of those anymore because they're just tools for us to understand what we need to deliver personas and personalization don't go together you cannot have a personalized experience of the best you can do is segment. We cannot have wireframes as a set of deliverables that require the other person to be UX person in order to read it. You cannot give a wiring diagram to someone that isn't an engineer and assume that they can read it. Doing a user journey based on filling in the gaps in something we have assumed is just going to validate our own pre-existing bias. None of these should be deliverables. They should be methods and mechanics that we use to get to the end result. And we're still selling method. It would be the same as your builder saying that they sell going to the store and picking up paint rather than saying, I want to have the wall painted. 
it doesn't make any sense. We still have a lot of experts talking about usability being an important thing. Usability is just the, the consequence of badly designed services to begin with. The usability test would be the same as trying to figure out who farted in an elevator. It smells and it's bad. Who cares where it came from? It doesn't matter. Just fix it. And usability tests driven by task, where you're trying to figure out it, just because you can complete it doesn't mean that it's good. It's like eating spaghetti through your nose. Just because you can eat spaghetti through your nose doesn't make it the right thing. So the industry has to grow the fuck up. And it needs to learn that you can't just do tests once and think that you've got valid data. You need to test multiple times for it to be even remotely useful data. Maturity to come, hopefully. Thank you, Arvid. I think we'll stop with this vivid image of spaghetti and parts in elevators. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mehr zum Podcast, meinen Gästen und Contentstrategie erfahrt ihr auf der Facebook-Seite Talk Content.